This is Mary Lewis at A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Katie at Freedom Rain Farm about all the uses for goat's milk. Good afternoon, Katie. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. Tell me about yourself and Freedom Rain Farm. Um, Well, we're a homeschooling family. I have four kids and um, we have a small, like, I guess you would consider it a micro dairy farm. We raise uh, dairy goats and we do chickens and some other mishmash of things. But um, dairy is is our main source of uh, it's our it's our it's our main project here at the moment. Okay, did I see something on your Facebook page about alpacas? Yeah, we did have alpacas. I'm actually good friends with the Fiddlin farmer. Yes. And uh, when we first moved to our property in 2020, my husband was still very dead set against goats, and I just couldn't get him to budge on that. But because we're friends with uh, Kelly at the Fiddlin farmer, he was like, you know, what's really cool is alpacas. And I was like, what? That's so random. Like, <laughs> uh, it's just so random. They're just such um, just interesting creatures. And I just never expected my husband to say yes to that. And I, I really didn't know anything about alpacas at all. Um, I knew that I didn't like llamas, but I was like, OK, alpacas are smaller, more manageable size. Um so just given the fact that my husband said yes to alpacas, I was like, okay, fine. We'll just get alpacas then. So we got three alpacas um, and we started out with alpacas and got to know them well. And then uh, it was in 2021 where I finally got to, I got my husband to move the needle a little bit on the goat. Um, idea, which is just so funny because like I would have started goats with goats in the first place, but <laughs> alpacas were the gateway animal to goats. Yes. Well, we had chickens before. Chickens are always the gateway animal, but we had chickens and we kind of mastered that. And so my husband knew that I had like some amount of expertise with raising animals at that point. But um, alpacas were the way to get animals, livestock onto our property through my husband. And we've since sold the alpacas, so we don't have them any longer. Um, But it was a fun experience. And ultimately, it led me to be able to get him to say yes to goats. So here we are. And it worked. So that's great. Um, I have a question about goat milk. Sure. I have tried goat milk a couple of times up until Uh a little while ago, and Uh I've tried goat cheese, and Uh I really didn't like either of them because the milk and the cheese that I tried tasted to me like a cow pasture smells, like like cow pasture smell like sweet hay and cow manure. Yeah. Um. And and so I I was reading your, your website, I think, and... It says that yours don't taste goaty, and I guess that's a good way to explain how how the milk tasted to me. So is it because of what the owner feeds the goats that that impacts how it tastes? Um, I'm so glad you brought this up because I think this is a hang-up point for so many people, and I know why. Um, Once you've had, we'll say, um, 
I don't want to say bad goat milk because there's still like great properties about it, even if the taste isn't exactly to your liking. Um, but I too have had, uh, we'll call it gamey uh, mm -hmm. goat milk, and it can be quite awful. Um, and once you have that experience, you're not like super eager to jump in and try any goat products after that. And I completely no. understand. In fact, I was quite the skeptic myself. Um, and as far as what makes goat milk gamey, we'll call it gamey, okay? Mm -hmm. um, that's a big controversy, even with goat owners. Um, the milk varies a lot from goat breed to goat breed, uh, first of all. And I think that diet plays a large role in how the milk tastes also. Um, I've tasted several different um, goat milk samples from several different farms with several different uh, breeds of goats. And I have to say that out of all of the milk that I've tried, milk from mini Nubians, which is the breed that I raise, is by far, by far the best milk that I've ever tried. Okay. I was just, I was wondering because friends of ours, new friends, have goats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, the the lady of the of the friends uh -huh. traded us some goat milk for stuff from our garden to feed her goats and that goat milk is fantastic i'm i'm oh. in love i want oh, all, i want i want all of it but obviously not going to get all of it and well all I, you needed a few of her her goats right yeah yeah i was so confused because we were at their place and she said, do you take cream and sugar in your coffee? And I said, yes. And she said, all I have is goat milk cream. And I said, okay. Cause I was <laughs> like, why not try it? Yeah. And it was fantastic. I, oh, I, I, hear that. I was dumbfounded. She said, you look very surprised. I said, I am. I said, I didn't think I would like it, but guess what? I do. <laughs> yeah. I think, so. I think there's a, an opportunity for, um, a small dairy farmers to really um, kind of change the perception of uh, what goat milk can taste like. Um, I'm curious to know what breed of goat she has. Um, I, <clears throat> of I, course, I, just, I, I, don't know. I can't I'm remember. Figure that out myself. Like, what is it exactly that's just f affecting the flavor? And sometimes it's almost like a scent too. It's like a scent and a flavor mixed. But I'm happy to report that my goat milk. Um, does not have any of that gamey flavor um, or taste. And it's very, very sweet and rich and creamy, almost like um, if whole milk was just a little bit creamier. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what it tastes like. And my family loves it. Nice. And so I noticed on your Facebook page that you make all kinds of things with goat milk and not with goat milk. <laughs> yes. Yes. So when we got goats, I really jumped in um, just into the deep end. Uh, honestly, it's like uh, just a crash course lifestyle into like, you know, into raising goats. I bought three goats in milk after having milked a goat by hand one time in mm -hmm. my life. <laughs> so I brought three goats in milk needing to be milked twice a day to my farm with almost zero experience and that was quite um amazing <laughs> and stressful but exciting um all at the same time and all of a sudden we had just this surplus of milk certainly more than we could drink 
and I was like, okay, hold on. Cause it, you, you only have so much space in your fridge, right? So like I didn't have a regular line of customers lined up yet. And so it was really just like building up in my fridge. And I was like, uh, okay, hold on. We need to figure out something to do with this excess milk ASAP. Otherwise it just goes sour, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I, I like literally jumped on the internet and I was like, uh, what can you make from goat milk? And um, the obvious winner for me was making cheese because you can turn a whole gallon of milk into a more manageable uh, 30 to 40, 40 ounces of Chev cheese. Mm -hmm. And um, that stores a lot more tidily in your fridge. And so really cheese was like the answer to just this uh, problem that I had of too much goat milk. And that was how we got started. Okay, can you freeze goat cheese? Yes, it freezes really well. And it's such a useful tool for our farm because if I could only just serve it fresh, if I could only sell it just fresh, um, you'd have approximately a refrigerator uh, shelf life of like a, a month, maybe a little bit more than a month. Um, and that's just not, that's just not practical. Um, goat milk is really seasonal and uh, I make a lot of cheese for about six months out of the year and then none after that. So freezing is a really important tool for us to be able to deliver a fresh, good tasting product, but like outside of that six months of uh, production. Sure. Can you use um, goat milk cheese like you would cream cheese in recipes? Yeah. So um, when I first tried goat cheese, I, I think I had only ever had it like one time before I started making it myself. And it usually comes in like a log. And um, I, I don't know, I wasn't like super fond of it, to, to tell you the truth. And it like certainly not enough for me to be like a goat cheese fanatic. Um, but because I didn't have this like preconceived notion of what goat cheese is supposed to look like i really developed my own way of preparing the chev that i think as far as i know is unique to me because i wasn't i wasn't copying anyone so like i really just developed something that suited our our palette mm -hmm. and uh and i had a few trusted friends that i could just like test it out on i'm like will you try some of the scote cheese and they're like sure sure why not and um, it seemed to, to be kind of an instant hit. And, and so I developed more herb flavors that are mixed into the cheese. And I, I put it into a, an eight ounce deli container. So that's how I sell it. And it really is more like a cream cheese. The herbs are blended through it rather than kind of like rolled along the outside of the log, which is typically how I've seen it in the store. Yep. Yep, that makes sense. <clears throat> um, so you were mentioning to me in our messages about being on the podcast that you have a sauce that you make. Yeah. So again, with the excess of milk comes a, a unique challenge to like figure out what you can turn it into. And um, that's when I learned about cajeta. Now, I am not saying it with any... Um, uh, linguistic finesse whatsoever. It's a it's a Spanish word, and if if I 
think back to my um, Spanish lessons in high school, which were not very helpful. Um, <laughs> the J is supposed is more like an H sound. Yep. So anyway, I'm sure I'm not saying it quite right. Forgive me for that. But Cajeta or Cajeta is uh, spelled C-A-J-E-T-A. It is a caramel sauce made from goat's milk. And it's just a few simple ingredients and a lot of stirring on the stovetop. And I'm not a caramel person, but this caramel is just, it's not overly sweet. It's like creamy in the mouth and I just absolutely love it. And I've developed a couple of different like flavor profiles for this caramel sauce. Um, I, I kind of moved away from calling it uh, by its um, by its cultural name, Keita, because I just feel like it confuses more people than it helps. So it's a caramel sauce made from goat's milk. Okay, I have so, to know. I have to know. Sure. It's what? It's a hot seller for sure. Okay, thank you. The the yeah. recording garbled. I don't know what happened there. Um, so I have to know, did you burn it the first time you made it? I did not burn it the first time I made it. It went perfectly the first time I made it, which kind of gave me this false sense of security. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at some point, I did accidentally burn it. What happened was I mixed all of the ingredients into the pot and I was cooking it and cooking it. It takes about three hours of cooking the milk down. Um, and I was like, it's just not turning brown. Like what on earth is going on? I've made this a lot of times before and that's when it dawned on me that I had forgotten to put in the baking soda. Uh-huh. And um, so I added the baking soda in later <laughs> And that caused this like rapid chemical uh, reaction. <laughs> this chemical reaction that browned it very, very quickly. And um, to this day, I have not been able to achieve that caramel, but it was the best batch of caramel I have ever made. And it was burned, but without tasting burned. And it's actually like a delicacy. So it's just like another way of making this caramel sauce that I can't seem to, to replicate, but everyone agrees that it was the best batch of caramel I've ever made, but it just seems like really haphazard to like intentionally burn something. <laughs> so I haven't really been able to get back to that, but it's quite good even if it's not burned. It was toasty is what it was. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's kind of like how a, a marshmallow is if it gets browned or toasted on the outside. So like, rather than thinking of it like, oh, you burned your hamburger to a crisp. It was more like, you know, like a, the outside of a toasty marshmallow. And it was so, so good. Mm -hmm. The reason I ask is because I decided I had to learn how to make a roux at some point years ago. And it looked really simple. And it is really simple, but I burned it the first time. Yeah. And I figured that I would, and then I tried it again a week later, and it turned out fine. So my my point in asking is that if, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Oh, as many times as it takes. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I'm not easily deterred by setbacks. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so I have talked about goats and chickens more in my life in the last seven or eight recordings I've done, because we have chickens. <laughs> We have chickens and we had bunnies. We do not have bunnies anymore. We have 
barn cats and six kittens right now. We have a dog and I would love to have goats, but Mm -hmm. we don't have room for them to graze, number one. And number two, I know that they're really mischievous and you have to you have to make them a pen that's going to keep them in. And they're very creative from what I've heard on getting away, on escaping. So I'm I'm very impressed with people who keep goats because I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be friends with people who have goats so I can go visit them. Oh, that's so um, did you have baby goats this spring? Yeah, this year was just like an explosion of baby goats uh, on our farm. Every doe um, who gave birth this spring had triplets or quadruplets. Wow. And uh, so if you if you can picture having four does and then each of them having three or four babies and just the way that that um, makes your barn feel very full. And um, when you talk about mischief, I mean, baby goats are it. Like Mm -hmm. they are the cutest little package of mischievous, like little antics ever. And baby goats are the best. They're just the best. But um, just imagine just having your sweet little, you know, predictable four does and then just this explosion of baby goats in the barn we had baby goats everywhere and it was so much fun but i'm telling you that when it comes time to wean them at around 12 weeks i am so eager to see them go to their new uh, great homes by then and get back to the kind of the quiet predictability of having adult does i was gonna say your barn must have been a cacophony of uh of um, the noise that they make. Oh, oh yes. Oh yeah. That's the other thing too. So when, when you're doing um, milk sharing, that means that um, you're sharing the milk with the babies. So it's kind of like a good middle ground for being able to collect milk without separating the babies and becoming their mother. Essentially mm-hmm. um, what you do is uh, you separate the babies at about a month old or so you separate them overnight and they go into their own little stall where they can cuddle and have their own little baby community. And then you collect the milk in the morning from the does. And, um, but by, by morning, the babies are very ready to eat. And so they're calling for their moms constantly. And so um, if you can imagine, let's see, three, six, nine, 12, 13, 13 baby goats, um, all, calling for their mothers while you're milking their mother on the milk stand. If you can just imagine the uh, decibel level and oh, and the mom is calling back to her babies too. So um, it is uh, chaos. um, And that's just that's just part of my life for like two and a half, three months. And it makes that moment when the babies have gone to their new fantastic homes uh, when it's just me and my does again, just so beautifully sweet and quiet and peaceful. And those are probably the, the moments that I enjoy most. <laughs> yeah. After, after just pure chaos. Um, it's so much fun, but it is loud down there. Oh yeah. I, I actually do know exactly the sound that you're talking about uh-huh. because my friend in high school, her parents raised goats. 
And mm-hmm. every every spring I would go over to see the babies. And yeah, they're very loud. Oh, they're very sure. loud. But they're so cute. Every so time, every spring, she would call and say, can you come see the brand new babies? And I was like, I am there. Give me half an hour. Absolutely. And they're so sweet. It, it's the only thing I can compare it to is like a six week old puppy only oh, like crossed between a six week old puppy and a fawn. Oh, yep. Yep. You got same, it. Same, same cozy. <clears throat> same silky fur and yeah. same adoring look in the eye of a, of a puppy. Yep. It's, You're giving it's, me baby fever now. It's so precious. And I would never turn down someone handing me a baby goat and saying, here you go, visit for a while. I, I will always do that. Yeah, I definitely get the most requests for a farm tour during kidding season. Um, it's just just to be up close and my goats are so friendly too and so you can really get up close and personal with these babies and cuddle them my neighbor who who does some really awesome stuff she's just across the street we kind of tag team with some projects sometimes she is always the first one to get called over and we have this little tradition where i let her know that one of our does has given birth and she'll come on over to my house and then put a goat in her coat Mm-hmm. And so it's just become this tradition and she just like, it's just such an honor um, for her to be able to come over and be one of the first people to handle the baby goats and just cuddle with them. And they're so cuddly in the beginning and it's just, but they grow so fast too. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's so sad that babies grow up so fast. <laughs> All of wow. them do. It doesn't matter whether it's a goat or a puppy or a kitten or a kid. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter. They just grow way too fast. So I meant to ask back when you were talking about um, the goat cheese. Mm-hmm. Can you can you make yogurt out of goat milk? Yeah. Um, basically anything that you can do with cow's milk, you can do with goat's milk. Um, it's just, especially if you have like a nice neutral flavor, flavor tasting milk. Um, so I have made yogurt from goat's milk. Um, but with a lot of homemade yogurts, you really have a tartness that maybe some of the grocery store brands don't exactly have. Mm-hmm. And my, I, it was just a hard sell for my kids and it kind of sat in the fridge too long to, for me to justify, um, doing it on, on a regular basis. Sure. And, and my family really prefers the chef. So it's just an easy, I don't know. I feel like yogurt was more fussy than making cheese actually. So we just like lean hard into the cheese and to drink as much milk as we care to drink and then make caramel sauce and whatever I don't use for those things, I can make goat milk soap with. So. Yeah, I figured you probably did soap because if you have that many goats and you have that much excess milk, that's a great way to use it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when I first started with the cheese and I kind of got that under my belt and I was feeling really um, confident about that, it was other people asking me for goat milk soap or or just this desire to be able to offer, I don't know, like it's like a pride and ownership thing. Like I want goat milk soap that was made from our goat's milk. But at that time I was not, not interested in learning how to make soap. It just was not something that I felt like I could fit into my life at that time. And so 
I did want to have soap, so I contacted a local local soap maker here in uh, the county, and she's just like one of the best of the best. And I just asked her if she would be willing to make some goat milk soap from my soap. And she was, which I just think is so nice of her. <laughs> so she made um, a 50 bar batch of my, of, of goat milk soap from my goat's milk. And I was just so proud of that soap and I was so darn excited about it. And so I sold that to, to my customers and they loved it and I loved it. And, but at that point I was still, I had no interest in making it myself. It just seemed really fussy and like chemistry involved. And I was just like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll leave it. And uh, Kelly, the fiddle in farmer, she makes goat milk soap too. And I was like, wow, they do it so, such an amazing job. I would for sure screw it up. Um, and I told myself that for really a long time. <laughs> and then my friend who also raises goats, um, she was like, it's not, it's not that hard. We should just do it. So we made soap together. And that was kind of like the gateway of me making soap. And for a long time, we only made soap together because I felt like I had to have a friend holding my hand. And then I started to like it, which I was not, <laughs> which I was not expecting. And um, the first time I ever tried making goat milk soap myself without a friend to hold my hand was about um, probably about three months ago. And since then, I just have fallen in love with making soap, which is a bit of a problem because I have soap literally curing like in almost every room of my house now. <laughs> so it's gotten a little out of hand, maybe you could say, but I just really enjoy it. And I'm like getting into making it look pretty and experimenting with different essential oils and making a really good smelling pretty bar of soap that people are will willing to pay $8 for. I understand we do the same thing, but it's not goat milk soap. Um, one of the things I'll tell you about soap, I don't make it. My husband does because I oh, do not like playing with lye. I'm not, <laughs> I do not want to do it, but we got into the essential oils. Um, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. And uh -huh. I asked him if we could do a cinnamon clove sweet orange because I really like those scents. And, um, I, he made a batch and the orange didn't really come through, but the cinnamon and clove was fantastic. And it, it really wakes you up when you take a shower with it. The scent of it just, it's like, wow, this is, this is fantastic. But the other great thing is I didn't know this. I had to look it up. Clove oil is an astringent and it will tighten the skin on your face, but it doesn't make your skin feel tight. So if you have, okay. if you have fine lines in your skin, it, they're gone. I, I didn't know this and I washed my face with this soap and I'm 53 and I have crow's feet and I have lines. And I was looking at my face a little bit after I got out of the shower and I was like, um, where did the wrinkles go? <laughs> I did not know that. That's, yeah. that's fascinating. I love the smell of clove. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that it had that beneficial property. So that makes me love it even more. Probably one of my favorite soaps that I make is an orange clove soap. And it's just like everything about it I love so much. But you're right. The orange orange essential oil is one of those uh, oils that's difficult to come through. So it really has to be paired with some other oils. And it's just like it adds a subtle um, fragrant 
note, but it's it doesn't stand really strongly on its own. Mm-hmm. The only way it stands strongly on its own is if that's the only essential oil that you use. Sure, sure. And we've done lemon soap, and it's lovely. It's so nice. Just just oh. um, lemon, I think it's lemongrass essential oil that oh, we sure. use. And it's, uh, I want to eat every bar. And clearly, I'm not going to eat soap, but I would... <laughs> I would if it would do me any good. It, it They smell so nice. I know some of these bars of soap that these soap makers make are honestly so beautiful and so appealing that you really do want to eat them. And I, I want to make a bar of soap. It's on my list still to make a bar of soap that's lemon poppy seed like the cake. Yeah. And um, it's on my list still. I, I haven't quite gotten to it yet, but it's on my list for sure because um, I love lemon poppy seed cake or muffins or anything lemon poppy seed basically and i just really want to make a soap that embodies that deliciousness yeah i i made a mistake yesterday i made eggnog lip balms because uh we're gonna be at a we're gonna be at a craft fair this weekend and i got eggnog flavor oil and i really wanted to make eggnog flavored lip balms and i did and for some reason my nose when the oils are hot the the scent of whatever's in the lip balm doesn't come through to me as clear so i waited till this morning and i grabbed one that was only half full because when you pour them they they don't always fill all the way up and i tried it and i was like oh it's it's eggnog it's not kick you in the face eggnog but it's eggnog lip balm i'm i'm so excited but now I want a glass of eggnog and eggnog is not for sale in stores yet. And I'm not going to make any because I'm not that talented. Oh, so it can't, it can't be that hard, right? It's like, it's like milk and eggs, eggs and, and cinnamon and, and like nutmeg and rum. Oh, whoa. I didn't know that rum was in eggnog. Yeah. Good. I, I'm not a big fan of eggnog myself, but I like the, the feeling you get from like sipping on eggnog so i like to watch other people drink eggnog yeah i just i love i love the store-bought eggnog i do not know what it is about it but i like how creamy it is and i am gonna screw up eggnog if i make it and i don't have any rum extract right now so I'm just going to wait. But either way, I was so excited that it the eggnog scent really came through on this lip balm. And it's so glossy. I I just, I did not want to do it yesterday. I don't know why. I had, I had cold feet about it. And I'm so glad I made it because I didn't know how great it was going to turn out. That's going to be such a great seller for you. I feel like chapstick in general, lip balm, chapstick in general, is just such an easy sell. Cause like who, what woman doesn't have um, a, a lip balm in like almost every location of her house and purse and car. I know that I have, I, I made lip balm recently too. And I just like, I have it in anywhere where I would linger for any length of time. I have lip balm just stashed everywhere. And just to have that like holiday fragrance and essence is just going to be such a hit with your customers. So I hope you sell like a million of them and you can make a nice little side income from just lip balm alone. 
Well, the cold feet thing kind of kicked me in the butt because I only made 40 of them because I was supposed to make like three batches last week and didn't do it. So they're a limited edition is how we're going <laughs> to bill it. Oh, yeah. But well, we also... Having a limited edition is that people who are... Um more apt to just sit on the sidelines and kind of wait for the right opportunity you might get them to just jump in and do it because it, it'll be gone in a little bit right yeah exactly we also have candles that we've done and we have two winter scents we have winter wonderland and then we have um i think it's Christmas essence or something like that. I can't remember what we called it, but one of them smells like cranberries and pine trees. And one of them smells like when it's going to snow or it is snowing that, that real sharp crisp air. And I'm so in love with these candles. I told my husband the other day, I said, can we just not sell those? Can I just keep them? <laughs> he said, no, you can keep one of each. We'll make more. Oh yeah, for sure. Candles are a hit with customers too. I uh, tried making candles for like a day basically, and it wasn't quite as straightforward as I imagined. And so I just abandoned ship and I was like, okay, I don't have time to perfect this skill right now in my life. So I just kind of put that to the side and, and found other things to do. <laughs> yeah, all of our stuff is very simple. We don't do the decorative <clears throat> soaps or candles they're they're mostly all off-white but the scents are amazing so we we really count on people being willing to smell stuff oh, and yeah. realize that the point of a candle is to light and scent a room and the point oh, of soap yeah. is to get clean and maybe it smells good so we really count on that we're very we're very um old-fashioned in that we yeah. want to do it the way it used to be done before sure. everybody got into the fancy things because yeah, sure. neither one of us have the patience for the the real detaily flowers on candles and things it's just it's not us so sure. but well, any you know any there's a, there's a market for every everything like any style of thing that you can think up there's there's someone who that appeals to and i think you just have to have the courage to jump in and um, and just do what makes you excited and just do the things that you've had in stored up in your head as things you might like to do. I, I always say just do those things. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I really have not done. Um, wow. Cakes. Um, we're getting on to food now. I'm sorry. I, I've done cakes for the kids for, for their birthdays and stuff, and they really weren't into cake. They wanted brownies so or chocolate chip cookies. So I asked them what they wanted for their birthdays, and I made them what they wanted. Yeah. And last year, I was like, I really want to try making a round two-tier cake because I'd never done it before. I, I wanted to do two tiers. I wanted frosting in between. I wanted I wanted to be that cake where you bite into it and you get cake, frosting, cake, and then tons of frosting on top. And and I did it. And I did it for myself for my birthday last fall. Oh, nice. And, and I did it with almond extract, vanilla, not vanilla, white frosting. So almond frosting. Yeah. And it was a chocolate cake. And then I had um, black raspberry preserves that did not gel so they were like a syrup 
And so I poured that over the top. Black raspberries are very red. It ended up looking like a Halloween cake. (laughs) But I bet it it tasted so good, though. It was delicious. It was probably the ugliest cake I've ever made, but oh, it was good. And I felt so embarrassed about it because I was like, I wanted it to be pretty. And my husband had a slice of it and he was like, oh, but it tastes pretty. Oh, yeah, for sure. I said, okay, well, I have tried making a two-tier cake. Probably won't ever do it again, but at least I jumped in and tried. Yeah, yeah. So, again, my I don't know why I do this, but my podcasts always tend to be great in the beginning and then ramble at the end, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, that's okay with me. It's supposed to be conversations with people, conversations, ramble and meander, it's fine. Um, so I'm really excited that I got to talk with you because I know very little about goats and I want to know more, but I don't want to own any. So the more I talk to people who have goats, the more I learn. Well, you know, you never know. Uh, Never say never. Um, My husband said we will never get goats. And here we are specializing in goats. (laughs) um, Surprise! (laughs) You never never know. There's a lot of things that I say I will never do. And I've learned not to do that anymore because that's usually what I end up doing. Like, I will never homeschool was one of the first things that I said. And um probably within a year, I was like, I was homeschooling. So um, never say never. (laughs) And do the thing that you are maybe a little bit afraid of doing and just jump in and, and do the thing, I guess. The worst thing that happens is it goes in the trash and you don't tell anybody about it. Uh, Yep, for sure. (laughs) If you if you're the kind of person who can always turn a if you're the kind of person who can always pull away a learning, um, an item that you can learn from, from these experiences, you will just add to your experience and it will make you this super fun, um, older person <laughs> down the line. I just like, I'm turning into this highly skilled in many, um, I shouldn't say highly skilled. That is so so wrong of me to say, but skilled, fairly fairly skilled in many, 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 many different areas. And I'm turning into the most eclectic, strange, middle-aged lady, not quite middle-aged, but I'm getting there. And um, I can only imagine what I'm going to be like by the time I'm 80. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you. Yes. It's going to be something (laughs) for sure. Yeah. And the thing is, once your kids are grown like mine are and out of the house like mine are, you find yourself looking around going, oh, I can do this now because I have time and I have mental headspace that isn't taken up by worry about the kids. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. It's it's really weird. It's really weird. It's really scary and it's really good. I mean, I love my kids, but I'm at the point where it's like, oh, I can I can sit down and read an article in one sitting and not have somebody say mom. Wow. I, I it, that's really difficult for me to imagine at this point. I, I did hear a knock on the door just a little bit. I'm 
locked in my office so that we mm-hmm. can have this conversation. And it's been about an hour now, which is probably the maximum amount of time that I can be in a space without someone looking for me. And so yes. I didn't answer. So they know that I'm still on the phone call, which my youngest is nine now. So we're get we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still very much in the thick of it. And uh, it's very difficult for me to imagine my life without the uh, role of mothering most of the day. Like, especially with homeschooling, you know, like there, my life is built around them. My, my life is intertwined with them. And that's the way I prefer it. And having this farm business has been amazing in so many ways because these kids have learned skills that I only got exposed to, you know, like a couple of years ago, like how to milk a goat by hand. I, I didn't know how to do that. And they started out in their childhoods knowing how to do these things, which is so exciting. And then just the entrepreneurial spirit that I have seems to be trickling, trickling down to the kids, which makes me so happy. My daughter, my 11 year old daughter, she makes kombucha and she sells kombucha alongside all of the things that I offer from our farm. And I, that makes me so happy to be able to share to be able to share um, the platform and like these vendor opportunities and just the spirit of sharing things that we enjoy doing with other people. She's on board with that. And it makes me so happy to see her little, her little bottles of kombucha and she like smiles so cute for them. The best marketing ever is to have a child who's like proud of what they're presenting, you know, and like she's got her little labels on the jars and stuff. And it just tickles me pink to be able to see her, being able to explore that at such a young age too. That is so sweet. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I try to keep these interviews to 30 minutes and we've been talking for 41, I think. So I'm going to let you go, but thank you for sharing your time with me. Thank you so much for having me on. It was really nice chatting with you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.